Welcome back to the Made to Homeschool podcast. My name is Brandon. My wife, Brigitte, and I are the founders of Made to Homeschool. This is the first part of a three-part conversation with our friend Ashley. Ashley's a former English teacher and current homeschooling mom to her three kids since 2013. Her mission is to help you grow in your homeschool according to your children's needs so that you can find joy in your family and honor Jesus. She loves to encourage homeschool moms and talk about Charlotte Mason's style, affordable homeschooling resources, and biblically-based curriculum on her YouTube channel, Joyful Noise Learning. Let's jump into it. Ashley, thank you so much for making the time to join us in the podcast today. I really appreciate it. No problem. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm excited because we've gotten, since we started the podcast uh, a few months ago, we've gotten to hear from a lot of our contributors, some folks who aren't contributors. That's always fun, too. But I realized as we were getting ready for this, I think of all the folks on the team, I actually know the least about your story. I think I know the least about how you guys became homeschoolers and what makes you unique as a homeschool family. So I'm excited to learn more about you as our audience does as well. And so can we start off just kind of on that note with how did your family become a homeschool family? What got you guys there? Well, 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 that starts back before I had kids actually. And when I was younger, I was all about like youth ministry and wanting to be a teacher and to save the world through this, through teaching classroom. <laughs> it's all about saving the world. So I went to school for an uh, English teaching degree. And uh, my original plan, I don't want to give too many details, but wanted to be a theater teacher. That would have been like so fun. What's your favorite uh, musical? Oh, do I have to pick a favorite one? No. Okay. Never mind. I wanted to see that reaction. <laughs> oh boy. I can name off a few. I would probably say Sound of Music or um, I was, I was just listening to Annie yesterday. It's classic. It was my childhood. Like pinnacle movie. I, and, but I interrupted you. You were saying English teacher and you said theater. And I got excited. Forgive me. Please yeah, continue. Did. All right, let's go. So I wanted to be a theater teacher and I thought that would be so much fun. But my school I was going to didn't have a theater teaching track. They had theater and they had teaching, but they didn't go together. And I didn't want to be in school for six years. I was like, get me out of here as soon as possible. So I picked English because I do enjoy writing. I enjoy reading and I thought, oh, there's a lot of English teachers who might help with theater at the schools. So we'll take that track. But anyway, I started out as an English teacher uh, in an eighth grade classroom. And it was one of the hardest years of my life. Uh, these children are, let's say, young young men, young ladies, teenagers, I guess, budding adults, uh, were difficult. It was very difficult. And I um, did not know how to manage a classroom was a really big thing, but I had passion. Like that was really hard. I was like, I have passion for teaching. I've passion to see kids have light bulbs go off and see them learn things, but I couldn't do it for my 99 students. I 99 kids. I'm like, I can't do this. Like people or kids are falling through the cracks. There's like three, four, five, ten that are doing really well that I could connect with. And I, um, I found there are just so many that were falling through the cracks. And that's probably the best image I could give for that. During that year, you know, I just got married, was thinking about having kids eventually. And I was like, I think I need to homeschool. Like having 99 kids versus two, three, four kids, very big difference. <laughs> and I could, I could use my passion for learning and teaching and watching kids grow. And I could do that for my own kids rather than someone else's. And I, sometimes when I say that, I feel like it can be very controversial because there's another side to that, but 
we can talk about that later if you want. But so we started having kids and immediately I was like, I'm going to homeschool. Like it wasn't to me, it wasn't a difficult decision. And we didn't send them to school first. They have always been at home. And, and I had my reasonings for that. So the first reasoning, you know, I mentioned it being able, kids learn better in smaller groups. It's just a given. I saw it firsthand as a teacher. Um, You can do your best to differentiate instruction for, you know, 25 kids in a classroom, but again, nobody's going to get everything. It's like taking a, I would say a shotgun or something and just scatter shotting at these people. And it's going to land on someone, but there's a lot who it's not going to land on. That's a great analogy. I've never heard that. That works perfectly. I haven't either. It just came to my head. That's good. You want to, but you don't want to be a shotgunner. You want to be a sniper. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I feel like one of my, um, I don't know, gifting skills is being able to find my children's own strengths and weaknesses and and give them the best that they need. And doing that again for only three kids is so much easier <laughs> and, and doable. So I was able to use my strengths in that as becoming a homeschool mom. One of the other main reasons we decided to homeschool that my husband was all for was uh, he wanted me home <laughs> and just to be at the home with the kids and be present with them and being the one raising them instead of sending them away um, or myself going to work that too. Because if I was working, I'd be teaching, but I'd be pouring my my energies and strength into other people's kids um, instead of my own. And then the last thing was uh, <laughs> I'm a strong believer in in Jesus and in God's word. And I wanted my kids to get that in their education. And also being in the public schools, my hands were very tied with a lot of the things I could do. And for my own children, I wanted them to grow up hearing the biblical worldview. I wanted them to have a firm foundation on memorizing scripture. I want them to know who Jesus is and who God is and who their creator is and how he is involved in all aspects of education. We can find him in science. We can find him in history. We can find him in writing, um, reading, all the things. He's in all of it. And I knew if they were at a school, they would not be getting a firm uh, biblical education. So that was the third reason and why we are a homeschool family. Okay, there was a lot there, and I appreciate that. And you, I don't, were you ready to enumerate the reasons, or was that like off the cuff? No, well, I've done my why before, so I kind of was going off of that. Yeah. So it just, I kind of know it. So, yeah. One of the things you said that was really interesting was that you didn't start the kids in the public school, you homeschooled them from day one, but you weren't raised as a homeschooler. So, like, was this difficult for you getting started or were you like, you know what? I'm a teacher. I got this. I can handle it. How was that? That's a great question. I had two years of homeschooling. Oh, you did? Okay. But it was kindergarten, first grade. And I was so social. I don't know. There's probably other factors. You can ask my mom, but I did kindergarten, first grade. And by second grade, my mom is like, go to school, go to school. You need to be with other people. I'm sure she was like, you're, you're talking way too much, Ashley. You need to go talk to other people. So anyway, that was the choice my mom made. So yeah, I had the experience of not being a homeschooler for most of my education. Yeah, and I first did, grade, it counts. Yeah. <laughs> because even as a kid, I would play school. I would set up all my dolls and my stuffed animals and I'd like have a schedule. And I love having like the pretty posters on the wall and like having the little bell ring when it's time to change classes, you know? So yeah, my view of homeschooling was very much like school at home. But as 
like I started reading and researching some of the methods and because I I'm just I'm a reader and a learner. I picked up on Charlotte Mason style, a little bit on classical style. And that fascinated me that the kids need to move. They don't need to be, need to be sitting in desks all day. And and um it fascinated me. They need to be outside most of the day. They need to get their hands on to things. They need to be seen as persons. So I really fell in love in those early years when my kids were growing uh, as preschoolers. I fell in love with the Charlotte Mason style because that was everything that I saw that was wrong in the public school. <laughs> and that that originally I was trying to replicate, well, they were preschoolers, but but as we went on, I'm like trying to grow this organically to have them have school and education is not compartmentalized mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from life, right? I want my kids to be to grow up to be lifelong learners and and that's what was happening there in the early years. There's a lot there, and I want to dig into some of that. I, I got a couple of questions right out of what you just said, but w- the first one I'm going to ask is, would you say that today you are a purely Charlotte Mason homeschooler? Would you say you're more eclectic? And how did that journey go for you? How did you arrive to where you are now? Oh, that's a good question, too. I would not say I'm a pure Charlotte Mason Ist. Okay. And actually, if you talk to Charlotte Mason people, they wouldn't really say that either, because the whole point of the Charlotte Mason style is to know your kids and give them a good education. And you can do that in any any way, really, as long as you're focusing on some main principles. So I do follow a lot of her principles, but I have not followed them 100 percent. And for a long time, especially being on social media and being a content creator, I really struggled with that because I'm like, I'm using a traditional style class right here for my kids. And it's not sure that Mason, what do I say? And so sometimes I would hide it and I would not share it. I would feel embarrassed to share it with people. Um, and that's ridiculous <laughs> because this is my channel and my family. I don't need to tailor my family to a certain look. And I, I've even, you know, being on social media, I've struggled with that. Sharing my homeschool from the beginning with everybody has really kind of messed with my head a little bit, but Where we are today, yes, I do follow some of the basic Charlotte Mason principles. And one of the main ones I would say is the living books. And I don't know how much you know, Brandon, about it, but okay. (laughs) Okay. Living books is what we call, um, it's, it's living books versus a textbook, basically. And textbook is like short snippet style. And history is probably the, the main one that I use this with. But for example, a history textbook, you pick it up and it has like two paragraphs on World War II. It gives you the main people, the main dates, and kind of the general idea of what happened. And then you're done. And then you go to the next one, you know, and there's not much time to like stop and think and really um, simmer and ruminate in those thoughts and ideas. Because we're sure that Mason live in books, the whole point is to have good ideas and to fill our kids with a feast of not just information, but ideas and concepts and and people and places. And that's why I, I'm a history buff, too. So that really like settled with me very well. So I was like, yes. So we've read some incredible books over the years. And I've gotten my own re-education as a homeschool mom. Uh, over the last 10 years because of the books I've read with my kids. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I didn't learn that when I was in school. So that's been that's been a lot of fun. And I still do that. That is something I still do today. And I will always do. Um, but other than that, I would say I'm eclectic with the other stuff. <laughs> okay, so you, man, yeah, Ashley, you're giving me a lot to work with. And I really greatly appreciate that. But I think that one of the things that, what you know, we're new to the homeschool world. 
right? Now, I've been hanging out with a lot of you guys for a little over a year, and well, some of you guys, and I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've heard a little bit about living books, but I think that's one of the things that when I first kind of started sticking my toes into the, into the waters, one of the things was like, what does that mean? And I've heard a little bit. I understood that it's like books that come alive, that have more than just kind of facts and figures. That was my vague understanding. You just expounded on that a bit. There are probably a lot of folks who are listening right now who are in the seat where I was, because I think that our audience is mixed, folks that are homeschooling and folks that are interested or trying to figure it out. Mm. I would love to ask you in just a second to explain with maybe an example, since you're a history buff, I'm going to ask you to come up with an example and explain what that difference might look like. But before that, we're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. World Watch News is a daily 10-minute show primarily designed for students. Viewers can discover what's happening in the world and understand major concepts in the news through an engaging and adaptable format. Whether you're discipling kids, teaching students in a classroom, or simply growing tired of reactionary media outlets, this program brings curious people of all ages together by facilitating deep discussions, safely and calmly covering challenging topics, and reminding us that whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. You can actually access three free months right now of World Watch at worldwatch.news slash made. Okay, Ashley, before we went to that break, you were talking about living books. And I was saying that it was one of the com- concepts I found confusing at first because the, it's like jargon. Like the word is used in the homeschool world and you're like, what's that? Like the Bible is the living word. Is that what you mean? No, that's not what you meant. <laughs> um, and I do want to ask you about the Bible and your faith in a little bit. But first, the living books thing, I think what might be helpful, and since you said you're a history buff, I'll, I'll use this. If you, and you mentioned history as an example, could you tell us, well, you said a history book on an X, Y, or Z subject that is a textbook, you said that's the differentiator, would be like, here's the person, the facts, the figures. Can you give, pick a historical figure and give us just a brief example of what, how, how that figure might be covered in a textbook versus a living book? Yes, that's a great question. I'll just share with you that one of the most recent ones that we did last year sure. that I we all absolutely loved. And this is one of those things that I never heard of, but the kids know about it now and they can share it with others. But um, it's called uh, Shipwreck at the Bottom of the World is the book. And this is a story about, um, almost went into the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song there, but I'll stop. I've had that problem uh, before. I get it. This is a story about Edward Shackleton. And he was an explorer in the mid-1800s. And he went to the South Pole. I yes. know about so you it know about from story, YouTube, okay. I think. Okay. So, uh, or late 1800s, early 1900s, literally 1902, right before Titanic stuff. And there was a few wars going on at that time as well. But um, this man was obsessed with the South Pole and wanted to go and just be there and get through it. And they had this huge plan. He's going to take 20 guys down with him. And they were going to sail through a portion of the South Pole and then and then end up on the side of Australia. And then the Australians were going to pick them up and they were going to be like, yay, we did it. I didn't but, know that part. That's interesting. <laughs> but what turns out is as they're sailing, they uh, their winter was starting down there. And I don't know, during the like summer months, it's like 30 degrees. But, <laughs> but during the winter, it gets to like negative 30. So um, the ice started closing in on this ship and they're shipwrecked. They can't get out. But anyway, we read this story, learned about this guy and his men and what they had to go through. 
And all of us were fascinated. We're like, what happens next? What happens next? And there were some kind of like factual parts in there. Like they're describing, you know, the dates and who these men were, what they did for their food and, you know, all those things. But it was, it was a real live story and we could pull out and talk about the themes. So endurance was the name of the ship. And we got to learn all about endurance from this crew, because when you hear about this, they all survived. They survived two years waiting for the ice to thaw first off. And then they had to get in these tiny ships and go through the ocean all the way to this island where they would meet their bigger ships and be taken to safety. But these men all survived. And this leader, I we got to learn about Edward Shackleton and his leadership skills and how he would never ask the men to do what they, he wouldn't do. Also, he would lead by example. He kept everything positive, made sure they had things to keep their minds sharp. And after learning that, I know what I got out of it was, oh my goodness, I have nothing to complain about. <laughs> I, as a homeschool mom, living in a warm house and living in the 21st century, I I really learned, you know what, this is going to make me try to be a stronger homeschool mom and not complain and keep pushing forward when I have hard days with the kids. So I really pulled that out of this, this story. You know, I'm learning about history. Like I can name his name. I can tell you the dates and some of those things in the places. But to me, the main part is the ideas that I learned out of that. And you're not going to get that from a textbook, are you? I don't think so. So, and my kids pulled, I, we talked about it. We talked about the endurance theme as we're reading this story. And it was just a ton of fun. So did you come across this book? Like, was this like in a subject or it's like, this is the book and the book's going to make us talk about lots of different things. How does it work? Pretend I'm dumber oh. than you think I am, or maybe as dumb as maybe I okay. seem. Okay. So I usually use book lists when I pick books and I try, I go with a certain time period. And this one was listed in one of the book lists that I was using. There are several Charlotte Mason living books options out there where they have the plan for you and you just read one book after the next. And like a traditional guide, I, I don't know, maybe there are some moms who need, what questions do you ask as you're reading? I don't feel like I need that, but maybe you do at the beginning. So there are some questions, like typical questions you can ask as you're reading, like, oh, what did you think about this? But the whole point is to ask open-ended questions and have the kids tell back to you what they think and what they heard and what they learn. So instead of a, giving them a rote test right afterwards with the blanks, fill in the blank, yeah. like what year did Edward Shackleton go to the South Pole? We are talking about ideas. And I just, as I'm reading and I'm learning these things, I just use my thoughts and I start asking, hey, I'd share with them. This is what I noticed. What do you guys think? So and that's how I end up doing it. So it's much more collaborative. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, rephrasing, it sounds like what it does is create an opportunity for the Socratic method to take place. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, hey, here's, like, I can't make you think things, but let's use this. I, I So I'm using, like, church world, my background experience, right? Like, as an analogy, yeah. I don't look at, like, Bible study materials, like, oh, you, here's these questions here. The questions don't, like, I don't care, personally. Yeah. They're not there to teach me anything. They're there to spark oh. conversation. Is that kind of what you're saying? But I don't even exactly. want the questions because I'm like, I've got ideas. I'll ask questions myself. Yes. Okay, that's helpful. Exactly. So that's really interesting. And it's it's such a different paradigm because still in my head right now, I went through public school for all the years, right? In my head, mm -hmm. as you're talking, I'm like, all right, but what subject is it? And that's not... 
That's a different. It's not the paradigm. Mm-hmm. And in real life, we don't learn that way, right? We don't. We don't learn by sitting down and going, "All right, I'm going to learn everything about properly aligning pictures in your hand." And we just moved. This is fresh in my mind, right? It's like, no, I've learned it through experience or through getting my hands on it. Or like, we don't learn how to walk by being instructed on a blackboard. We learn how to walk by stumbling. Yes. And. Yes. It, there's something that's so good and so right about it, but even as you're speaking, and I've converted now, right? Like I'm in the homeschool world where I'm Ooh. doing it with the kids, but I still am having to wrap my mind around it. It's such a paradigm shift, but I think that every time I hear somebody like yourself explain it, it really helps. And so I think people are going to get value from that. Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on today in this episode is you mentioned unprompted. As we were walking through kind of your reasons for wanting to homeschool, you mentioned your faith. Um, I can't remember exactly what you said. You're like, I'm a strong believer in Jesus. One, I love that you said that. When I used to like interview volunteers at the church, one of the things I would do is I would say, hey, tell me about your relationship with God, where it was, where it is, and where it's going. And literally, when I was training like coaches to do interviews, I would say, listen to see if they say the word Jesus. Because if they can talk about their faith without mentioning Jesus, there just are other questions maybe we should discuss. Yeah. And so when you said that, it just gave me such joy to hear you say it. Um, you can thank my dad for that. He's the same way. <laughs> that's so good. Can you tell me, and you may even balk at me asking the question the way I'm going to ask it, but I promise it's intentional. Can okay. you tell me how your faith is incorporated in your homeschool day? Oh, that's a good question. Well, same with as education and how we're not separating things into compartmentalizing learning, I want our faith to be active and living throughout the day as well. So we do have intentional Bible times. And I do that because if we didn't, it wouldn't happen. Ask me how I know, because there are times I'm like, oh, they'll just pick it up and read it, or we'll just do it here and we'll do it. But I had to be super intentional at fitting in that Bible time. Otherwise it didn't happen. Like I said, so at, at this stage in the game, my um, my goal, I really think, is to educate my kids in biblical literacy because, to me, that is such a huge part of my faith. Um, we, you know, we live it out. We we learn. We sing songs. We I love learning hymns too. That's a lot of fun. That's another story. But but learning how to read God's word. Why do we read God's word? What are some main scriptures we can memorize? Those are huge things that I'm passionate about. And then what. What the kids do with that, um, learning to know who God is and how he takes their faith journey, that's between them and the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And I'm okay with that. But there are times I want to guide it a little bit. You know, that's why I'm here. I'm their mom. God gave them to me. (laughs) So um, we have two opportunities of Bible study in our home throughout the week. Um, And one of them is our Bible study all together. And we've been doing morning time is what it's called. That's another buzzword in the homeschool world, Brandon. So morning time, circle time. Uh, there's another word, morning basket. Some people I've call it that. that. I've heard the morning basket. Okay. Wife okay. is working on that. <laughs> and a lot of that includes a family Bible study. So um, what I you can do a devotion book. I've read kids Bibles with my kids. We've done um, the Jesus Storybook Bible. We've read the Ology. That's a great one. Love that one. We might come back to it because we did that like five years ago. I think it might be time to do it again. Those are the kind of books you can do again. But it's a lot of like 
just basic foundations of the faith, but also dipping your toes into God's word. But as my kids have gotten older, I'm like, hey, we just need to read God's word. So we pick a book and we read a portion and we talk about it same way we do history. And I don't make them do a question and answer page or worksheet afterwards. Like there's no need for that, but we make it organic and we talk about it. And I'll tell you this for the longest time I've been doing this with my kids since we started homeschooling back when my daughter was two and a half. I loved it when they were little. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) A lot of fun. You can do hands-on, like, let's take the loaves and the fishes, you know, and, oh, let's make a big giant whale and pretend we're Jonah. Like, I don't know. I liked that. And then we have songs. We sing, sing the Bible from Slugs and Bugs. Um, We sing, what else do we do? Oh, Seeds Family Worship, which they just changed to Seeds Kids, I think, if you're looking that up. But I also have a playlist that I made and a Bible memorization challenge that I do with my with uh, joyful noise learning. But um, but anyway, that was fun with the little kids. But for the years, it was just me and the kids and I wasn't including my husband. And over the last few months, my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, you need to be included in this. (laughs) You need, you need to come. You're like, he talks to the kids and tells them about God. They see him at church and stuff, but we weren't having specific family devotion time. And that was really strong on my heart. For, for a few years now, actually, to be honest. Um, uh, and so uh, my husband and I looked at our days and we're like, when can we be together consistently and do this for 20, 30 minutes, read God's word, sing a hymn and pray, and then do our memory verse. Those are the four main things that we do. That's what our family, family worship or family devos is what we call it. And we picked breakfast time uh, because of our schedule and everything. So it could be done anytime. My husband does work from home, so we could have done lunchtime even or we could have done dinner or we could have done bedtime was the other times I was thinking, but. And is this daily? Is this every day? Great question. It's not. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Is our our focus time. Again, based on our schedule and where we go and what we do in the mornings. But I was trying to decide was doing something that we can do and accomplish instead of like trying to bite the whole apple we're just biting off a piece and we're trying to be successful with something small <laughs> before we like say every day. Cause if we say, let's do it every day and we fall off, then it's hard to get back on. But that's so helpful. Cause I literally before, right before we got on this, I was kind of organizing my office a bit, but before that I was resetting cause we just moved. Everything's new. Homeschool's new. Wife's got a new job. I'm over here trying to do the kids and the work and all the things. And I was working on a new schedule for the homeschool day. And like, what days are we doing it? And what are we doing on which days? And where am I incorporating Bible time? And I, it's, so this is all actually really, really relevant to me. Uh, a few other things you said that I'm really curious about, also relevant to me, but I'm really hopeful it'll be helpful to a lot of people. Hymn studies, and then you've alluded to your schedule a bit. I, I maybe we'll hit on the hymn studies while we're still on the topic of your faith and how you incorporate it, um, but we'll have to do that in the next episode. So if you guys want to hear how Ashley goes about hymn studies with her kids, with her family, because I don't know how to do that. Um, I want to hear about it too. Then you'll have to come back next week for part two of our three-part conversation with Ashley. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>